with women who inspire us. The three of us together have a lot of experience discussing real issues that affect real women. Now, we're giving you a chance to actually hear how we talk about the topics in the newsroom behind the scenes here on the Oklahoma Women Want to Know podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Oklahoma Women Want to Know. Today, we're talking about basically a topic that we don't talk about enough in the news, and that is overdose deaths. So joining us in the studio today is Steve Regeer with Light of Hope. We're going to get to him in just a moment. But first, I'm April Hill. I'm the midday anchor and news director for 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. I'm Jen Townley. I am the co-host for the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter. And I'm Crystal Kelly. I'm a reporter at KRMG. Okay, so Steve, tell us about you and your son, your story. Well, let's see. Uh, my son was born in 1988, Zachary. Um, and then I had another child two years after that, my daughter, Rachel. Um, and I was in a situation where my wife could stay home, be with the kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And... At about the ages of three and a half to four for Zach and one and a half to two, my wife decided she wanted to go down a road of drugs and alcohol as opposed to being a mother. Um, so she left uh, left my children and me. Um, so it was just the three of us. And my, my son went from being a very happy, uh, bright, energetic young kid to a very sad, lost kid. In a, in a very short amount of time. Um, my daughter was young enough that she didn't get affected quite the same way. Um, so we went through a stretch of, of time uh, with counselors, psychologists, trying to, trying to see what we could do to help Zach get along. Um, no, when you, what was the first sign? First sign, just sadness. Sheer, mm -hmm. I mean, just sheer sadness. Um, and, and there's photos that I share in a presentation I do of him that's that are six months apart that are just absolutely night and day. There, there's a, just a bubbly, bright child, and then one who is just sad and lost. And, it's, and what age? Three and a half to four. That okay. That young, yeah. Wow. And it, it, you know, it was a hole that got created in his heart that never got filled in his life. Um, ended up after several years getting remarried. Thought maybe a blended family, a change of location. We moved out towards Ulaga Lake. Um, had two additional stepsons, thought, you know, maybe a, a, a new dynamic would help kind of push things along. And and things seemed to be going pretty well. Um, but when he got into his early high school years, you could see things were still affecting him. Um, and about, I guess it would be his junior year, he got expelled from school. And I really didn't know what was going on. I had no idea. I thought things were, were just fine. And whether that was me with rose-colored glasses, just not being vigilant enough. Um, but he was, he was expelled from school. Um, they would not let him back in. Um, and so I did find out soon after that, that he was dabbling in, in drugs. He had just started uh, experimenting with drugs with friends. Um, okay. So back up just a little bit. How, why exactly did he get expelled? Just for acting up. Acting up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just attention. I mean, just, mm -hmm. he was always a little bit of a cut up, but you know, when you're when you're masking something, you're hiding something. Some people do it in that, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So he was always that kid. Was it that he was always searching for that connection that he wa that he had with his mom? Yeah, I think so. That just so. kind of disappeared. Because it did not. I mean, he he did. He had an okay connection with his stepmom, mm -hmm. but 
she had issues of her own. And Don't we all? I'm it, just, can we just say? <laughs> yes. And, and they like to say my picker wasn't real good. Oh, <laughs> I've had a problem with my picker in the so, past. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and then you uh, said he, you found out he was doing drugs. How did yeah. you find out? And what was he doing? The first time he got arrested. So he, he got arrested numerous times. Claire Moore, Owasso, uh, Collinsville. And they found control, controlled substances in his car. So it was pills, opioids. Um, that's what he got started with. He, it didn't go really through that phase of, of marijuana first, then opioids and, and a progression like that. Mm-hmm. His, uh, he's, he did have that attitude that just, you know, marijuana is just a weed. But it is a gateway to other things. There's no question. Um, so he... He started going in and out of jail, getting in trouble. Um, Rogers County Jail, D.L. Moss in Tulsa. Now, what was your reaction the first time you got the phone call that he was in jail? Pretty mad. <laughs> Pretty were you, upset. Were you surprised at that point or what, were you? No, because I was waiting for the shoe to drop. Okay. I really was. I knew at that point that he was he was kind of out of control. Um, and... Looking back on it, the way I handled it through through knowing he was doing it, um, we talk about enablers, mm-hmm. and I was probably <laughs> the grandest enabler of all. I mean, I got him out of more trouble and paid more bills and bought more cars and all the things that I thought w- would bring him to a normal Life. You thought you were helping him. I thought I was helping him. Mm-hmm. But, I think you know, a it, lot of parents did the same thing. Yeah, but okay. in reality, I w- I was hurting him. Yeah, I was just allowing it to continue. So, what would you, if you go back now, would you have just left him in jail? Yes, absolutely. That very first time, or would you have bailed him out that first time, and then like maybe like the third time? Or oh, looking back on it now, I would have left him in the very first time. Now, mm-hmm. could I have done it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I mean, the the consequences to your actions, I, I buffered those constantly. Um, and that's what allowed it to get worse and worse. Um, he always kept a job. That's one thing that I have to say I'm very proud of him, even through the midst of, of all of his mess. When he wasn't in jail, he was working. Um, but he... When he finally got in the biggest trouble, he ended up in, in uh, the Department of Corrections in Fort Supply. So he had to serve some time in prison. And the only way for him to get released was to go directly into the Rogers County Drug Court program. And it's a pretty stringent program, and it straps you heavily financially. So you have to be working if you're doing it because you're, you're paying for constant drug, you know, drug tests, court appearances, you name it. Um, I never thought about that. I never, yeah, I didn't realize it would cost you so much it, also. Yeah. That's why a lot of people just sit in jail. They yeah. can't afford things like right. that. I mean, right out your time and then you're not paying it. But it's very expensive to go through drug court. Huh. Um, and like I say, he, you know, he, when he was in drug court, he had moved into an Oxford house in Claremore. And it, he met some friends there that were in the same situation, had the same goals. They wanted to get sober, and, and Zachary did. He wanted to be sober. He wanted his life to be different. And he got through drug court program, um, 
relatively quick. I mean, it was a year and a half maybe, and usually it takes about two years. Sober, healthy, happy, had friends. I mean, it, it, it's the best I can remember seeing him since he was a little kid. How old was he at that point at or that, about? Uh, oh, let's see. Drug court, he would have been about 24, 25. So hmm. still very young. Yeah. Now, you said when he was in the midst of his addiction, you said some really stupid things. What are some of those things you said? Well, I mean, just the attitude of just quit, stop, you know, why are you doing this? I mean, that. that. What should you have said? Um, let's get you help. Let's figure out how to fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, I offered to, to find support groups of some type to take him to, but he he had no interest and and unless somebody's really ready to or willing to go for themselves, it's it it makes no sense in dragging them somewhere that they're not gonna absorb. Um, and he never he never got to that point where he wanted he wanted to do it on his own. Zach was just a I can fix it, I can do this on my own guy, and he couldn't. He absolutely couldn't. Okay, so he was in the Oxford House. Then what happened? Well, let's see. Um, Doing good. Life was great. Met a gal. She got pregnant. Had a little granddaughter. Um, so she was born right after, or no, before he graduated from drug court uh, in 2013. Shares a birthday with me, <laughs> which is a neat deal. Yes, it is. Um, and then after graduation he moved out of drug he moved out of the oxford house into an apartment and life was good she was you know uh he was sober little family nucleus just getting started um but with that independence of moving out of the oxford house he started to have some of those people um from past experiences mm-hmm. filter back into his life and you could just see the change starting to come right cuz aren't you supposed to cut all ties with that past life and yeah. start fresh so that way you don't have any Anyone, try, yeah, the tendencies there to yeah, get they, you back. They kind of talk about triggers, which are people, places, triggers. and things. Yes, and influences like that just can't. If you want to stay on that road of being sober and being healthy, you've got to cut those ties. Mm-hmm. And he was too much of a get along with everybody guy. Um, you know, I, I like to tell a story about when. When he was at his best after the Oxford House, he was living in that apartment with with Marky and Aubrey, working for a local heat and air company, doing extremely well. And he was on his way home from work one day in the wintertime and saw a elderly man slumped down by a mailbox on the side of the road. And it was snowy and icy outside. He stops and gets the man up, gets him back to his porch, calls EMS gets them out there to get the man and take him uh, to the emergency room. And a week after that, there was a, an article in the Claremore Progress paper just, that just said, thank you, Zachary Gear, you saved the life of Glenn Brock, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's my son mm-hmm. at his core that's when he's nice. healthy. And so, I, you know, I've got that little thing framed and up in my office because mm-hmm. it reminds me, you know, that there's, there was a wonderful child, a, a wonderful human being that— Drugs just took away. Hmm. Okay, so things took a turn for the worse. Tell us what happened there. They did. Um, they moved. Uh, they moved from the apartment to a, to another little house, and they were more isolated and not in a apartment community, which I think was part of the problem too. 
Um, he began associating, like I say, with some of the old friends, um, started drinking, started doing the drugs again. Marky and Aubrey decided that it was time for them to move out. They moved back into Claremore, so Zach was out there by himself. Next thing I knew, there were people living with him that were, you know, the drug friends. Um, I remember going by one time, and he was in a full-blown overdose. I had to put, get him into my car, take him to the emergency room, and uh, get him into the Claremore Hospital for a, a night. Um, that's the first time I'd seen that situation. Now, mind you, this wasn't fentanyl. This was this was opioids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still was taken a, and heroin. He got he had already at that point gotten mm-hmm. into yeah. Into that, heroin it always use. progresses. Yeah. 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 Or sometimes it goes from people doing heroin to not being able to get it. So then they go to the opioids. It goes both ways. Okay. So, yeah, his was opioids, then heroin. Um, and he was just out of control, massively out of control. And this would have been, I'm guessing, 2014. Um, and then by the time 2015 came around, I was on I was on a trip out of state. Got a phone call from him. He had moved into Tulsa, by the way, at that point. Was living uh, by himself in a place in Tulsa. Probably not the best move either. <laughs> but uh, his heat and, and air were, his electricity and, and gas were shut off. In Tulsa? In Tulsa. Okay. This was early December. Um, I just said, hey, I'm, I'm out of town. I, there's not much I can do until I get back home. He said, don't worry, Dad. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll get it handled. Um, so I get home Friday, uh, night, planning to go see him Saturday morning, clean up my car Saturday morning. Two sheriffs drove up into my driveway and asked if, if I was Zachary Gere's father. Yes. Well, we just need to inform you that your son died last night. And one thing I try to tell, tell kids or people in group is, you don't have to overdose for drugs to kill you. My son actually died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Mind you, this is a young man who was in the heat and air industry, so he knew about mm-hmm. home ventilation. And he chose to put a generator in his garage, oh. which killed him and another young man that night. Oh. There was another person in the apartment with him. Oh. So, um, I mean, my life just went totally <laughs> blank. My, How did the deputies know to respond to the home? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he obviously had an ID, and they could probably find somewhere in his arrest records that I would have been somebody who maybe signed yeah. him out. Or How whatever. did they respond to his house? So, yeah. How did they know that I, I there was the generator issue his, after he lost his power? His boss, he was working at the Orchid paper plant in Pryor, okay. and his boss was picking him up every morning okay. to go to work and went by to pick him up to go to work. Um, and found yeah, him. Yeah, and, and wow. didn't get a response mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. did find him. Ugh. And so he called EMS to come to come to his place. So, you know, drugs will take you to that place of isolation. There, there's some snippets I use out of his... I found a, di- a diary or a journal that was in his place where he had been writing some things just about where he was, what he, where he wishes he would be. Um, is that something I could share with you guys? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
Wanna, I just want to get this out because it's it's kind of powerful words. Is this the journal right here? This is the journal. Wow. And I keep it with me um, most places I go. Yeah, quite. And this will tell you. This is he he labeled this journal "Incoherent Rantings" by Zach Regeer. Mm-hmm. So tells you a little bit about his state of mind. But mm-hmm. this was October twenty fourth at one fifty in the morning. I sit here taking the occasional glance at the clock as my thoughts wander around somewhere aimlessly between the next cigarette and shot. As the hunger, the proverbial Jones fades, I recollect on what I have, on what could have been, what once was. I had it all, all I could ever want. I threw it all away. For what? The simple satisfaction of my opioid receptors and the endorphins my body will produce. I want my life back. I want so badly to have a time machine to undo the chaos I have created Maybe one day I'll have that chance. That was on 1024. He's a great writer. He's a good writer, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on 1029, uh, he wrote this. I want to know what I have to do to get my life back and my family back, my world as I knew it when I knew happiness. Everything happens for a reason or so, they say. Well, what is the reason I'm this way? I know how I got here, the journey I took. I wish I had never taken my first narco or pill that I had never went to Ryan's house and found out what pills were all about. So in a nutshell, that kind of tells you that he, he was, was hooked from the beginning. And he was ready to He wanted make to be different. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to be different. And 45 days after that, he was gone. So, Did uh, he ever um, connect the loss of his mother when he was a toddler to needing that comfort or missing something in his life? To the drugs and where it led him. I, yeah, I, I mean, he knew. He knew that was uh, the root of some things, and he tried. His mother did come back in and try to reestablish relationships with him and, and my daughter. Um, How many years later were they? Young, were they teenagers? Were they in college? Were they still elementary school? They little upper elementary. Okay, little upper elementary. Yeah, little. But the damage was already done. The right damage up. was done. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, even on one of – it just was a bad – it was a bad thing. And the psychiatrist actually at the time said, we think it would be a good idea if you let Zach spend some time, more time, and even live with his mother. Oh. And what did she think about that, and did you even offer that to him? She – I mean, she was very – yes, she wanted to do that. And did um, Zach? I don't know if Zach knew what he wanted to do. He's a little really back don't. then. So me as as a as a parent and wanting what's best for my son, I kind of followed along with what the professionals mm-hmm. were telling me. And I and I let him go there uh for a brief amount of time because he there was still full blown drinking going on, there was other stuff going on and, and that revealed itself pretty fast. And so I, you know, I got him back into my household relatively quick. Now, in the journal, he said that he took his first pill at Ryan's house. So that was, he went to a friend's house. High school and, friend, yeah. And a high school friend offered yep. him a pill his, yep. his first time. Yep. So tell us about uh, Light of Hope, what it is, and how it helped you so other people can get okay. help. Well, I mean, like I say, it, there was a, an article in the, or a bullet, you know, in our church bulletin just said the Light of Hope had been uh, created the year before and was there for people facing any kind of life difficulty. Um, so I knew immediately that I needed to get in touch with that number. I called. It was Layla Freeman. She's the founder 
of, of Light of Hope. Um, she went through the exact same experience as I did two years before. She lost her daughter on Christmas Eve 2013. Mm. And through her pain, she wanted to find a purpose of what to do with it. So she started Light of Hope. And for me, initially, it was just a place to go have more people around me shoulder my burdens, figure out how to get through the 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 pain of what was going on. But it's it's evolved into where I'm now on the board, um, have been for quite a few years. I facilitate a Thursday night general group session every week. Um, we have, let's see, we've got general group on Thursdays. We've got a grief group on every other Tuesday. We've got a veterans group that meets Tuesdays. We have a uh, Mother's Angels class for mothers that have lost children that meets every other Saturday. Is this for family members, um, addicts, or both? Both. Now, the Thursday night general is for both. Um, veterans would be both. And then it's, they're kind of all-encompassing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you seeing an uptick with the fentanyl? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, we actually had a, a young girl in with us last night that had overdosed in February on fentanyl and luckily was brought back. We have a this motel right across the street you see. We see ambulances over there all, all the, the time, time. Yeah. for overdoses. I think that I think the numbers that we use because we we go and we do presentations to schools. We do educational pieces in the schools mm -hmm. locally, and I think last year we probably got in front of ten to twelve thousand students in northeastern Oklahoma. Nice. And the figures in two thousand twenty one, um, there were about a hundred and seven thousand overdose deaths in the country. And over eighty percent were fentanyl related. Wow! wow. And, and 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 it's it's skyrocketing way mm -hmm. past that. But we show we have a fentanyl. We do fentanyl town halls too. We had one two in Claremore. We've got another one coming up next month in Collinsville, where it's just an educational panel where we'll have law enforcement, medical field, um, um, somebody from Light of Hope. We'll have somebody from the mental uh, mental health side of things mm -hmm. and a general forum for the public to come to. We show a video that's that's titled um, Dead on Arrival, and it's all about fentanyl. Mm -hmm. It's a very good piece to watch. Are you seeing more when it comes to fentanyl that the users are purposely using fentanyl or that they have stuff that's laced with fentanyl or a combination it's more when it, when it's laced because I mean at this point people don't know what's in anything they're taking if it, you know unless you get it from a pharmacist and it has your name on it you mm -hmm. you can just say let's leave it alone because you don't know what's in it um but it's you know the vapes that kids are using now if they're using THC vapes those are have been found to be laced with fentanyl any of the the uh, manufactured pills that are there are pill that you know. It used to be that all this stuff was being gone, done, produced uh, in other countries, but mm -hmm. it's being produced right here in Tulsa now. You know, the goods are being brought here. There's pill presses here that um, these things are being made, and they're they're not they're not paying attention, I guess, to what they put in things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it it it's mostly an accident. I don't I don't think people ever set out to 
you know, take something and know that it's got that level of fentanyl in it. But just so (laughs) fentanyl, there are now what we we talked about this last night, what's called fentanyl parties. So kids that know that they're taking fentanyl Mm -hmm. will have one person that stays. Their job is to stay sober and have Narcan to re. You know, to bring back anybody who overdoses, wow. oh so they can goodness. continue to do this. Wow, it's a ho- it's horrible. What what's going on? <laughs> wow. wow, I feel yeah. a lot better about the parties I did in high school now. <laughs> wow, <laughs> right? I thought that's, I was a bad kid. Yeah. That is that's that's really crazy. Yeah. Okay, so where can people find Light of Hope? Is there a well, website? There is a website. It's lightofhopeinc.org. Okay. And phone number for Light of Hope, 918-373-4560. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. We know this yeah. was, it's a, it's a hard conversation, but we need to have it more. We so, do. We do. Thank th- you for having me. Okay. Thank you for joining us yep. on this episode of Oklahoma Women Want to Know. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us once again on Oklahoma Women Want to Know. Tune in each Wednesday at 5 a.m. for the latest episode. And don't forget to drop us a review. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.